Welcome back to another episode of Sketch Nerds, where we break down sketch comedy. What works, what doesn't work, what we like, what we don't like, and why. I'm Andy Weld, and joining me today are Jessica Randazzo. Hi. Seth Alcorn. Hello. Seth Al. <laughs> uh, Elizabeth E.K. Kemp. Hello. And our producer, Isaiah Hedden. I'm back, baby. He's back. This, what's your, is this your third time on the mic for this show? Basically. <laughs> well, welcome back. All right. On today's show, we are going to be breaking down our favorite sketches from 2020. Uh, obviously, uh, it was not a favorite with an asterisk, Andy. Favorite with an asterisk. It's like favorite because we asked people to vote and we asked people to vote and it's a controversial list. And, you know, I think we never mind. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> uh, well, we're going to do a show about some sketches that came out this year. That yes, is, that is like. a fair assessment. And here are um, the ones that we that many of us like the most. Some of no. us like the most. <laughs> so this, you know, a lot of this, uh, some of this stuff was created uh, before 2020 came out in 2020. Other bits of it were created in 2020. Now, did you all did you all have success creating things in 2020? Did you all struggle? I know, I feel like for me, it was ebbs and flows. I'd feel creative at some stretches and not creative at others. Um, what, how did you guys feel about stuff? Well, uh, all I can say is that I'm on possibly seven podcasts at this point. Uh, oh, wow. So there was that. I, I I did. I don't want to talk about it too much. Um, but I I was involved in a the Capitol riot in the Capitol riot. <laughs> I, I, I was I was down there because look, they're drinking children's blood. No, uh, it's comedy. If yeah, you look at it, funny is that comedy. that wouldn't be the whitest thing that Seth's ever said on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> No, sorry. Uh, now that I've said want? that, I do need to point. I, I do feel the need to point out that, of course, the drinking the blood thing is just a continuation of blood libel. When it was thought that my people drank the blood of Christian babies, but now that we're talking about funny stuff, those with um, beards. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I a friend of mine started a sketch show, and I think one episode got produced. And I want to say that I wrote. I think I wrote three sketches. All of which I think got we actually recorded for all of them, but only one of them uh, went up, and I was a little, um, I had some feelings about that. So, but that was that was my uh, that was my year. There are also a couple of writing nice. things that I did that have sort of petered off, which is unfortunate. But yes, ebbs and flows. Nice. I wrote only the beginnings of one sketch this entire year. Um, and which was just a bit that my husband and I were doing back and forth and made us laugh, uh, very hard, but then sitting down and actually finding the, the brain space. I also have two kids at home all of the time, um, six and two. So that was, it, I mean, like anybody else, it, just trying to find the brain space around everything else that's going on in your life this year. Um, that was hard for me. And I don't think I also journal, and I don't think that I journaled, but like maybe March 18th, I probably journaled. And then I don't think that I've done anything like that, which can, you know, stops everything as well. I watercolored a little bit, but um, yeah. And then we, um, Bad Medicine had a, an online show and I took part in that, but I didn't write anything, but that was, it was so great 
to do something and stretch those muscles. But uh, finding the, I was one of the people that was completely hampered by this style of living this year and just, it drained me instead of, you know, giving me the, like the time to think and pull things out and all that. I didn't have, none of that happened for me. (laughs) Yeah. What about you, EK? Did you create anything this year? Yeah, sort of. I, you know, I have, I have a big pile of content that I just kind of threw together. Um, I mean, I, I actually found the limitations of 2020 kind of liberating in a strange way. Um, you know, because everyone was in the same situation where you were stuck in one place. Um, you weren't allowed to be around a lot of other people. You know, it's, I, I, I saw some incredibly creative content, people coming up with like kind of costume shorthands and like single performer, but like multi-character work in, in all kinds of platforms. And just this, this fascinating turn of like lower quality production, but in some ways, like higher quality jokes and premises because they had to stand on themselves without the kind of razzle dazzle of some of the production stuff. Um, so I, I found it super liberating. I produced a bunch of stuff on my own. It was stuff that I think had this not happened, I never would have done. I never would have even thought was okay to even try or like worthwhile. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I found like working on my own, um, I kind of found my own voice and got a lot more confident in my own voice than, than I ever have. And you, and you, and you became TikTok famous too, right? Yeah. I, did be, I did become a niche internet celebrity for about uh, a period of two months. And that is a very creepy experience and, um, I can't recommend it. What happened? <laughs> Just period. <laughs> Um, I will say this, the like the TikTok com- community, especially if you're like, if it's pretty wholesome content and you're not like picking on anyone or bullying anyone, like people to- like get a lot more jokes and a lot more subtlety. Um, and it's a great community who can have a lot of fun with stuff. But as soon as content now seems to roll over to like Facebook and Instagram, which are, which are aging platforms anyway, and more commercial, um, like people just don't get it as much and they just kind of like, and all the responses just start getting really dull and boring and people send you super creepy messages. Um, like I think, cause just I, I let mean, us see your feet, EK. How hard is that to understand? <laughs> um, let us I, see your you, feet. you joke, but I had someone message me asking me if I could send them a picture of my feet for like $300. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. And I had a no, lot $300 of like, $300 is a lot of money in a heartbeat. Send them any feet. Okay. Yeah, it wouldn't even be my That's true. Me. That's true. I could have sent them any feet. I didn't. I was so I I was too reactive to it. I should have been more entrepreneurial about it. I see that now. I regret it. I wish I had consulted you guys <laughs> when that came in. <laughs> next time. Next time. I tell you about my website, onlyfeet.com. <laughs> um, Isaiah, were you creative this year? Um, this is it. No. Uh, the bad medicine. And he's like, pivot, pivot, pivot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Keep it alive and going has been like the 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 big takeaway. Like, you know, trying to use my downtime to do stuff. So there was an era where I just watched movies and that was it. I couldn't couldn't create. I watched every James Bond film and that's all I could do. And then like something would happen and I would like 
get really into making a card game and I would do that for a month and then I would fall out of that. And so I pivoted a lot. I think the most steady comedy stuff has been participating in our, st- our weekly student writer's room where, you know, the prompts has helped, you know, just having a r- accountability of like, hey, these people on Tuesday are going to want to see what I wrote. So I have to, to write and then I could like spend an hour each night leading up to that week, working on a sketch, talking about a sketch, and then bring it, have it read, and then be like, all right, new week, new sketch, and then move on. Um, and that's that's really been the only thing that's kept me going. Our, our show that Jess and most of you were a part of was really helpful as well. Um, but I'm glad we only did one of those. That, we, that wasn't a regular thing. I think forcing comedy or forcing to be creative during a pandemic is very, very hard. It, it has to happen naturally, like EK, like you finding TikTok and finding your own content, just, it evolved and it just appeared and you ran with it. That was great. I think that's how you have to be creative in, in, a, in a pandemic. I think just punching your way through was, was just, was not going to create anything worthwhile. What do you, what card game did you create? Um, so I've been making like different, uh, like at home, like take a a 52 cards and figure out a different way to play a game. And so I have a couple different games that I've, you you know, you take two deck of cards and you make a game out of it. I have one called flush, which is like a, uh, like a, a A toilet game. game. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's like a card. I I don't want to make it a toilet game, but it's, it's going that direction. Um, it's like a match card matching game. Wait, um, wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. You say like, I don't want to develop a toilet game. Well, you like, make a toilet game. that's like a fixed category of thing. Like what is, oh, there, there, you, there's, there's a lot of, of kids. Any game, game I play on game. my Nintendo Switch is a toilet game. Oh, oh, you mean oh, a game like, that you play while sitting on no, the no, toilet? No, 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 no. I was making a joke about Flush. I was making a joke about the name Flush. And then I pivoted. There, it's a mechanic in the game. The yeah. You you draw a card. You don't want it. You scream flush, and you pick a different card. That okay. that, yeah. that action is really fun over and over and over again. I was gonna say. I thought really you meant that there was for a... you to emote like as much as to <laughs> flush. Is that just for you to get out your anxiety? Yeah. At yeah. the end of it, the day, it, I don't know. That's what I call the game. It works. One day I'll I'll take it to Kickstarter and make it a thing. Do you I think- thought I thought you actually meant there was a category of games where you were either like, th- like it somehow involved a physical toilet, like there you were are. throwing cards in the toilet or something. I was like, I this is cards. this is not like a category of game that just exists, <laughs> and like all be. creative attempts to create. Oh, new ye games. of little faith. Yes. <laughs> do you oh, do you guys think faith. that when you do other things like that, like making up the card games, or Isaiah? I know you also do a lot with photography. Anybody that follows you on Instagram sees that, and like, um, or. Like I tried with watercoloring and stuff. Do you guys find that if you do a different kind of creative activity, it helps you with writing? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Different brains. Different parts <laughs> I don't really know. Like, I don't really do any other types of, I really just write. This I is it. That's puzzles, all you do. But that's not this. Yeah. Yeah. It, I did a it, lot. It, of, I, I, no, no, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Oh, you go ahead. I insist. I was going to say, I, for a while I was, I struggled to be creative and then kind of by, by the early summer, I started writing a lot of sketches and I wrote a play um, and I was, oh, you know, right. I ended up being fairly productive writing wise. Yeah. So, which I was, I was pretty happy about, but it, it certainly has come in ebbs and flows. Yeah. I yeah. just have a problem actually sitting down to write. You know, I have, I have tons of great ideas. Um, 
And then I'm like, I sit down to write them and I'm like, words go now, words, words on screen, words from fingers go. And it doesn't happen. And then I get depressed. And then I'm like, it's so much easier to play a video game or read something someone else has written. And then I do that for hours at a time. But that is a little, even though you're not creating, you're still using different parts of your creative brain to do those kinds of things. So maybe that's a little break for you so that then you can come up you know, with the things that you want to write. I mean, it is, but then I don't actually write. Like, I, I have honestly written, if you look at the course of my life, I've written very little over it compared to the number of ideas that I've had that I've gone, oh, this is kind of interesting. And then I've gone, eh. Mm. Well, then you just kind of like put those ideas on our premise worksheet for the group and see if anybody else Anybody picks else it picks it. All yeah. right. Well, I, I will say this. I might have some... I might have some stuff I can shoot your way. Are they all based cheese on sea us. shanties? Cheese us, Seth. <laughs> Make them all based on sea shanties. But cheese. <laughs> no, none of them are actually based on sea shanties. Uh, no, I, do, I did. Do um, any of them sound like a 15th century um, <laughs> Northern Irish, like like so, like some incredibly Harold. specific like yeah. historical reference? Or like, uh, well, yes, there is one about. Yeah. Okay. We are. You know about the alternate theory, like Shakespeare didn't write Shakespeare's plays. It was somebody else. Yeah. So I do have a sketch in a, in a tavern where all of the people who have been said to have written Shakespeare's plays are having a, a writer's meeting about what they're going to write next. That's great. Make that happen. I like that. That sounds yeah, fun. I mean, I, I have it. I can send it over. I will say one of the other things that I took away from this year is, you know, I, I've always had this mentality of like, like creating content that is more like it should be accessible to as many people as possible but I've kind of gotten over that I'm like if I can hit that group of like 10,000 people or something like the really niche comedy and just nail it like I don't care if it doesn't appeal to everyone anymore I don't care if it reaches a mass audience like if it's something that really just hits in a super small niche like Go for it. Godspeed. The people, the, there, there are so many ways for people who are really into that stuff now to find it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, I just, and maybe it's just because like, I don't have any ambitions of really making comedy my career at this point, but. Well, I think it's, you can't, you can't please any, everybody anyways, even the people that we're going to talk about and, and people in the honorable mentions and people who, because of what they did in sketches this year, alone in their bathroom, you know, got their own Netflix show and are on the late nights and everything. Like even those people, I've talked to people out in the world and they don't know who those people are at all. Like it never hit them, even though the, they're, they're like a now a nationwide phenomenon, if nothing else. Yeah. So it's, you feel like those kinds of things, you're going to hit everybody, but there's still people out there who don't, you know, so I, I like the way you think, EK. So we're going to talk about 10 sketches today that came out in 2020. Um, they're in no particular order, but we're just going to go through, talk about each one, say what we like, what we didn't like, kind of regular sketch nerds, but in a more truncated format. Jess, why don't you start us off? Sure. Um, this is one that kind of definitely blew up this year. Um, this is uh, Julie Nolke, 
She's a Toronto-based actor, comedian, and writer. And uh, hers was a whole series, but the one that we have today is the first one, Explaining the Pandemic to My Past Self. And it just, uh, she said that it came out of just her joking with her husband and talking about, like, I would have told myself to go to Costco four months ago. Like, I would have stocked up and everything. And, uh, of course, we, many of us have seen this sketch now. Okay, so what is the bad news then? You are gonna wanna pull all your investments. What? Yeah, just, yeah, yeah get everything out of the stock market. Ugh, oh. Get it all out. Oh, it's a recession. You know what? Put a little money in Zoom. Isn't that a conferencing app? Yes, trust me. Okay, while we're being proactive here, actually, if you could just do a Costco run real quick. That's gonna save you a lot of hassle. Costco. I do you have any hobbies? You know, just something to something to keep you busy. Um, I, yeah, this this sketch it was def, definitely went viral when it came out, and um, and because it was she's quick, done a, it was quick right after it was like in March that it yeah. happened, like in the beginning of everything. I think March sixteenth is a day for a lot of people that it, it was the last day of school for my son, and uh, last day of work for a lot of people too. So I think it yeah. was somewhere. And then the two longest weeks of a month there ever was, the last two yeah. weeks of March. <laughs> but she came, this, she came out with this in March of this year, um, talking to her past self in January. Yeah. So what did people like about this sketch? What worked? The tone. I, she got I, the tone I, down very well. Yeah. Um, my, my girlfriend brings up this sketch all the time. Um, it's just like where our mind was as a nation, as a people, like that sketch fell right perfectly in the center and and hit all the points for that moment. And so, you know, if you look at the others in the series, I don't think they hit as hard or hit as well just because, like, we had moved on to other things <laughs> that were happening. And so, like, it was great, but that one, it, like, it was no longer dead center. And that first one just hit it, like, pushed the button perfectly. Yeah, it, it was a she's saying what we're all thinking. Yeah. Kind of we could all identify with that. Right. Capturing the zeitgeist. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I, I think I, I, I see what you're saying, um, Isaiah, about the other ones that came not hitting exactly the same because we were all processing in the beginning. Like I just said, those, those last two weeks of March felt like three months to everybody because it was something brand new in our lives every day, but also the same as yesterday. And, um, uh, and then you, you, we were all processing. So by the next time it was, it was more, I think, kind of like a, just a historian's <laughs> way of saying, and then this stuff happened too. And then it got like, you know, it escalated, escalated and just seeing kind of where we'd been, but we'd all processed from where we were in March and you're using different gears and mechanisms and everything. So I, I love the other three as well, but yeah, the first one. Just, it was, I mean, I didn't know anybody who didn't send me that, you know, who was texting that around and being like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is everybody right now. So, so we've kind of hit on the relatability of the sketch, but what's, what's the funny in the sketch? I mean, Isaiah talked about the tone, but is it something, is it, is the joke she tells, is the relatability, what's funny about it? What do you think? I mean, it's, it's the relatability. It's the premise of this I mean, it's worth noting is like there were tons of comedians basically working this exact same premise. Um, I think this one is it, the pacing is good. Like the editing is fast. Like it's the again, we talked about this right at the top of the 
the podcast, like that it's the single person just kind of quickly churning out something that feels a little raw and very real. Um, and then she's got that nice kind of bit in it about like the butterfly effect, which which gives this a layer of originality. So it's not just like, you got to go to Costco. It's like, you shouldn't maybe go to Costco. I can't tell you why, but like. Mm. I, <laughs> which, also, I also like at the end where uh, she acknowledges that like, although there were so many of us in shock and trying to figure it out and stuff there, for the most part, there was a lot of us who were doing pretty well. Like you're inside, you're watching Netflix on a couch, you know, like you still have food coming to you because someone's delivering it. And she, she recognizes that for a lot of people, this is way worse than just a girl talking to herself on a couch, you know, about Netflix and stuff like that. So I like that too. Like the realism of, you know, well, really bad for a lot of people. You know, you, well, you're okay. Like, <laughs> you're like, going to be fine. Yeah, you're right. going to be fine. There's, and there's, there's that nice, like, tragic comedy element, too, especially as you get towards the end. But, like, uh, well, I can't have a dog. I mean, I have so many travel plans. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <Travel>. <laughs> you, like, you see that crack start to form. Yeah, the the, just like, which oh, is really what makes it like, things. The walks seem like they're going to be a pain. Oh, the walks are going to be clutch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That's gonna be a thing. Yeah. I speaking as as someone who is a dog owner myself, my uh, my wife will occasionally be like, please let me come with you. It's the only time I've been outside in three days. I'm like, oh sure. There was there was another meme that went around that was like, um, my hobbies of uh going for a walk or a car ride um are now also those are my dog's hobbies. My dog's hobbies and my hobbies are the same thing. <laughs> That's what I get excited about. <laughs> My dog has made a terrible podcast, so our hobbies are lining up. Too. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd get my dog on a. I'd be on a podcast with him if I could, because I just keep starting them. Uh, <laughs> also, I just want to say, this is an intervention for you, Seth. Actually, it is. It, it, it's an intervention in the form of a podcast, which of course I support. Um, her timing and delivery. Yeah. Are also, I mean, and the, the thing is like, oh, uh, timing, yeah, edited it. Yeah, well, she edited it. So that is, that's her, that's her timing. It's her delivery. It's but also her, Yeah, very, her delivery is very smooth. Yeah. And balanced. Yeah. It, it's, I mean, this, this is probably going to be redundant as it made our controversial uh, best of list, but it's, it's, it's a pleasure to watch on a number yeah. of different levels. So. Yeah. No, it's very digestible. Um, it's calming even though it's yeah. about a really horrible thing. <laughs> yeah, because well, yeah, it reminds you that everybody's going through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right. That great well, unifier we're all looking for. Yeah. And while, I mean, while we're talking about great sort of early pandemic humor, um, she didn't make the final list, unfortunately, but um, it's Caitlin Hello also had that incredible viral video at the, at the, in the early stages. Like, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really appreciate that. Yes, thank you for saying that. Like the kind of Zoom call etiquette that we were all adapting to. Thank you, Diane. Thank you. It was that was just an that was in the similar vein. Um, just this incredibly comedy relatable won. comedy. Solo comedy one twenty twenty. I mean, yeah. what other kind of comedy? I, mean, I know, but I'm saying like that was a thing. I'm seeing what people like, could do on their own because there's a lot that is not on here that were like big TikTok and Instagram and all that, but. People on their own, although there are some people who don't appreciate single <laughs> sexuality, 
Andy will. That's fired, Andy. But yeah, <laughs> but I mean, like, well, I wasn't funny going because to say- he's because he's the king of sketches who have eight characters where only one of them monologues the whole time. <laughs> oh, I write, and everyone else is just standing there like you're this so not weird. True. That's just the first draft. That's just <laughs> the, the first draft. Right. That is just, that is just inaccurate. That's right. Um, um, but yeah, they they uh, and some of them like Julie Nolke and um, and Ryan George like combined up this year. Um, but and some other people did stuff where they edited themselves into like working with a kind of a team virtually. Uh, yeah. But yeah, a lot of it is just um, yeah, the single stuff that's yeah. harder than it looks. I just tell you that. I, I, I don't. I, that I think. Of the sketches that I wrote this year, most of them are Zoom calls. Well, you have to be. Yeah. That was in. You have to acknowledge that. You have to acknowledge the medium. That's what we uh, uh, found watching a lot of uh, Zoom improv this year, too, is that it was always so much better. It was always it was like your brain was already working hard enough to pretend that you were in the same space with these people, that it's too it's too hard then to also take the leap that you're in a canoe and you're in that same canoe and you know, like it, it's better if, if you can acknowledge the medium and amazingly enough, there's so much that can be done with acknowledging the medium. You know, it, you wouldn't think so. People there's, just tap out at work. Or I'll, I'll disagree with you a little bit. I think in the early stages, acknowledging the medium was, was key, but then the, the stuff that truly rose to the top for me was like, okay, here are the limitations we're working within let's figure out what we can do with backgrounds and green screens mm-hmm. and anything like that and actually do what we can to overcome that and use Zoom to create something kind of that we've never done with comedy before. Yeah, and with sketch, I think that that works really well. My thing is like having watched the improv this year, I think that it, it was harder in the moment when you're making it up in the moment to do those kinds of things. 2020 in general, I think would have been a great year for improv to just take a beat and say, <laughs> what, are, what are we doing here? What are we, do, 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 do we still need to be a thing? Eh, I don't know. I don't know. I've seen some good improv. I'm biased because it was my husband's, but I've seen some good, Jive Turkey did some great stuff this year, but they always, they had a platform where it was like a complaint call uh, and that was mm-hmm. always what they did. And then they would take the suggestion of what am I complaining about? And then it was the two of them, a customer and a em- employee. And it, it worked like every time for them, but then, yeah, it's, it, but it's been hard, but you're right. People stepped up and did so much with what we were given. Well, let's go on to our next sketch on the list. So this is playing an RPG for the first time. It's by Joel Haver. He's actually a filmmaker, has a pretty incredible YouTube channel. Highly recommend that you go and subscribe to that. It's uh, kind of a, a very minimal style of animation. It almost looks like kind of early, very early computer animation in a way. Um, and it's so it's so much of a throwback. My initial reaction to the visual was that it's it actually seems really fresh and interesting because you just don't see animation like this much anymore. Um, but essentially, it's a guy who is has placed himself in this world. He's super excited. He's gonna go off and do all these quests, um, and so he's just going gung ho, balls to the wall, out of the gate. Um, finally, arrives in a town 
and um, is is met with this circumstance where he realizes he may have just gotten everything about this world and the purpose of this RPG totally wrong. That's Marshall on the poster. Yes, he's our town rat. Have you seen him? Uh, if you could find him, that would be fantastic. Oh God, I thought he was like a prison rat or something. What? Did you see him? Yes, uh, yes, I saw him. Oh, did you tell him to come home? We miss him very much. I got bad news about the town rat. Bad news? Well, we haven't had bad news here in a long time. Marshall is no longer with us. What? Oh, God. Yeah, this, I, you know, as, as someone, and I know, I, I know Seth can speak to this as well. Seth and I both play a lot of video games and yes. play a lot of RPGs oh, yes. um, set in this era. Um, I know Seth has been because of recent Facebook posts about playing Skyrim, probably the most successful RPG of this. Wait, I no, not Skyrim. The Witcher. The Witcher I've been 3, playing Witcher, Witcher 3. 3. Witcher 3, that's what I meant. Uh, yeah. Maybe the most, maybe the best of these kind of uh, RPGs. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed in this sketch, it, it, it's this kind of thing that I struggle with sometimes when uh, like they really just lean into the sadness of what's happening because, you know, so as part of being so excited about this quest, the guy, he kills this rat and then he kills this ghoul, but then he finds out that the rat was this, like the town's rat that everyone loved. And the ghoul was actually just a guy, a man's son who just looked kind of ghoulish and just the, the sadness there's, Oh, a good minute of this sketch, maybe more, is just, just the, the main guy crying. Going like, uh, is, is the is the old man crying and the man being like, oh no, <laughs> no. and I I just felt so much empathy. Like it, it was funny, but at the same time, my heartstrings. Oh my goodness! I should say I found this really funny, and I have I I don't think I've ever played an RPG game. It's a familiar enough, like I get it enough that I was able to immediately understand. I do like that this sketch comes in kind of, it's structured in three parts, three very distinct parts. You have that introduction, the first part one, which is him like rampaging and yelling. Um, and it's a great way to like get you interested and hooked on the sketch. And then part two is this kind of, um, oh, uh, no, there's nothing. <laughs> we don't have a ton Everything for you to do. We're pretty good. And that alone could have been the joke. Um that kind of like set up this massive setup and then this massive letdown. But then that third part is the, like actually the rampaging bit comes back around. It's what Andy's talking about. The like, well, I guess if you wanted to do something, we're, we're looking for a rat. Um, and then, and then actually, I guess there's like a part four, if you really want to get specific about it, which is even as the credits are rolling that, that town's person like sobbing. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and, and this guy just being like, "I have, I have fucked this up. I have fucked this up." And of course, I don't. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you guys have some perspective on this from an RPG standpoint. But like, I think what's so funny about it is like in a video game context, if you realize you've messed it up, you could just reset the game, right? Well, <laughs> Whereas again. he stays in this moment and is like, um. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, because the other thing is too, when you play these games, I mean, I've played games back in the day where everybody was an actual person, a character, but when you play these games, that's just the computer, right? Like that old man is not another yeah. person. It's not even a real 
person that you're like feeling right. sorry for. And, and that's the, I think that's hilarious as well, that it's not, you, you didn't mess up anybody else's game. <laughs> just... I mean, it's, it's also, it's a part of a series, a running series that he's doing, um, which is really great. And he like redoes the scene, but in the process of redoing it, he still messes everything up. And so I think when people do video game sketches, the joke is almost the video game itself, but the way he approached it was like, it felt fresh to me. It yeah. felt like a different way to tell that joke. Yeah. And it wasn't just about, isn't it funny when video games do this? Like it was bigger than that. There's a lot of bad video game comedy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is either made by, it, it's usually either people who don't have a good handle on video games and then like it's doesn't ring true to people who do or it's people who are too intensely focused on certain video games and then it's just too specific. Um, but this is a nice kind of, this fits a nice middle ground. I did see a, a TikTok the other day about um, like referencing GoldenEye and being on slappers only mode. <laughs> and I just rolled because I'm like, that's how, that's like if I was having an argument with my little brother or something, we would kind of resolve it by playing slappers only and GoldenEye and whoever won, like that's who won the argument. And of course I was terrible at it. And he had, he knew that trick to always be odd job because you would always miss because he was so short and you could just chop away at someone if you were, sh- anyway, that's, that's a little <laughs> pro tip. <laughs> it resonated with you. It that was a deep point. dive and I appreciate Finding. that. Very deep dive. That's right. The, uh, Finding the point. Sorry, one of the good things was- I want to point out that Joel just released uh, a great tutorial about how he does the animation. Um, and like, I'm a video person. So I watched him like, this is so easy. It may not be easy. It may not be that easy, but it's really great that he's just shared how he does it, which I think is huge in today's world. And one of the things I love about TikTok is people often share how they do the, how they make their TikToks magical and things disappear. And that, that sharing community is huge. But the fact that he walks you through step-by-step tells you the program and then explains the why, what's difficult about it and what you need to fix to get over the main issues that you would probably run into makes me want to make one ourselves. You know, I think Bad Madness should make one of these because it, he does make it seem uh, so simple. And I appreciate it when people share the knowledge that they have. Well, and I think, I think this is the only animated one on our list, but, you know, that was also, like, that's such a critical toolbox, especially for, like, solo creators or... Mm-hmm. or Right now, if you really kind of want to free yourself from some of the boundaries of or the constraints of like 2020, 2021. Yeah, voiceover never stopped working this year. Everybody else on set and locations and things like that had to take a pause. But if you did voiceover work, you know, you either already had something at home where people shipped stuff to you and they kept working. So Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm convinced I'm convinced my little brother after 2020 is gonna move to like a a mansion in Malibu or something. And (laughs) (laughs) all right, well let's move on to our next sketch. Or no, Seth, you got more to add? Go ahead. I didn't like it. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> a little close to home. Were you offended? Uh, no, I wasn't offended. I'm just like, oh, it's another funny thing about a player in an RPG acting horrible. Yeah. See, what are what are other examples of that that we might? Um, well, there's this song, Mikey Mason's Best Game Ever, 
there's also just like because I'm also a big tabletop role playing person and I read tabletop role playing stuff. This was this was a like players acting horrible was cliche because everybody did it so often. And also something called griefing. It, it's, in, in MMOs, it can be called griefing. In, where if, you are in just, MMOs, it's, it's called griefing. And usually that's specifically like a, a group of people who exist to make the MMO not fun for everybody yeah. who's not them. Like Massively multiplayer online game would be MMO. I was going to say, I checked out of this conversation 25 seconds ago. I have no <laughs> idea what's going uh, on. <laughs> the, but I think what I Andy's think talking about is one of the biggest things the is that there's a... Um, Wait, is that like Call of Duty MMO? Well, Call of Duty is not an MMO. World yeah. of Warcraft World of Warcraft. Is an MMO. Wow. Yeah. This this actually this sketch, as far as I can figure out, references EverQuest in that the first enemy you meet is a rat. I never played it, but I heard that. I was that just the, gonna say, do you do you guys remember EverQuest? Because like that was the time that I was I didn't play EverQuest. I played a game that you wrote everything out in text and you just sat in a room with an avatar. Yeah, it's like, oh, that's uh that's a mud, isn't it? We just called it VP because it was virtual places, but it was just like a bunch of us in a room and we played like a role-playing game, but yeah. we tech, we typed everything out, like everything that happened because there was no actual, but EverQuest yeah. was big at the same time. People were also doing that. Yeah. Oh. I just, I just thought on. it was a reference, like the, like the color palette and the kind of historical, I thought it was just kind of a reference to like the, the whole genre of like Final Fantasy, Legend of Zelda. Like that was my reference point for it. It's the specifically, it's the killing of the rat. Yeah. Is like because like in EverQuest, in EverQuest apparently rat. that was the first enemy you could fight. And it, EverQuest is sort of famous for being notoriously notoriously difficult. So that was the enemy that you had a chance of beating if you went out and fight it was a rat. But, but anyway, oh. the point is like I've seen so many things about and then that guy at our table decided that he was up and going to kill the king. And it's like, and this, this is just... That that behavior, it's that it's normal normal RPG behavior being skewed so that it is that guy behavior, so that what he's doing is uh, to use Andy's term, griefing. But, but isn't it, it that he didn't? But there's mean no one else to, playing the game. But he didn't right? mean to do the rat and to kill the guy. But it's still it's still a popular thing to just play it play it as like the evil character. Like something you see on Twitch yeah, all the it's, time. It's people still, like no. just playing as the bad guy. Yeah, it, it's still a player in players doing do bad stuff in a game. Yeah, <laughs> and, he didn't and like, do it intentionally. Yeah, even though he didn't do it intentionally, I've I've seen enough players doing bad stuff in a game humor that this one was just like I was like, eh, okay. Well, I think also the the funny to me was that you never see, even if you do something wrong, you never see the other character never just devolves into tears and is like, why, my son? Like, Oh, yeah, you absolutely do in modern games. Really? Oh, see, oh this yeah. This is how out of touch I am. Because it would be just like, you didn't buy the thing that you were supposed to buy. You didn't do it the right way. So they're, like, there's only yeah. so many things that they can respond to you. But, of course, I'm from the 70s, apparently, even though I was born after. No, it, in modern games, choice and consequences have, have like, oh, often yeah, affect it's, games it's a in big, a big way. Really? Yeah, yeah. If, wow. As an example, since I'm playing The Witcher, if you walk around in town with your sword unsheathed, the guards will attack you. Okay. Not because well, you've done I'm, anything Obviously, wrong. The Witcher is not set in Texas. So. Uh, <laughs> or the United States Capitol. Yeah, no. or the United States Capitol. What's weird is that it is, in that, fact, okay. set in a war zone, but that's... Yeah. Yeah. And those, 
those guards are definitely not white because there's no way they're attacking. <laughs> All right. True. That's true. <laughs> First times can be awkward for everything, including comedy. So why not look back at a comedy writer's first attempt at making an audience laugh? From Philly Sketchfest, have a listen to My First Sketch, the podcast introducing you to sketch comedians from around the world, starting with their first sketch. Hosted by me, Josh Hyam, we'll explore how a writer got started, what shaped their sense of humor, and where they go from here. Check out My First Sketch at myfirstsketch.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's Maybe. let's move on to our to our third sketch. Uh, Seth, I believe this is you. Yes, this is Queer Theory Reading Group versus Sixteen Candles from the Baroness von Sketch Show. Uh, Baroness von Sketch Show is a Canadian television comedy series featuring the all female cast. <laughs> yes, uh, Carolyn Taylor, Meredith McNeil, Aurora Brown, and Jennifer Whalen. And this is uh, <laughs> as somebody. Who was in academia? I I enjoyed this sketch because it's about when your friends who analyze things catch you enjoying problematic media uncritically. It's, that's what this is all about. Uh, a woman and her girlfriend walk out of a showing of sixteen candles, and she runs into her queer theory reading group, and that is trying to trying to hide the fact that she was that she just saw 16 candles whereas her girlfriend has no idea what's going on and is just like no 16 candles is great uh, this week we're discussing sarah ahmed theorization of the feminist killjoys so. mm-hmm. boring <laughs> no it's, it's actually quite interesting is it yeah uh, what about you Oh, we were just catching a, a retro movie night down in the park in the dog bowl. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> what did you see? What? No. Hmm? What did you see? Uh, God, I can't even remember. I forget. That, was it When Night is Falling oh. or High Art? Um, or Forbidden Love, The Unashamed Stories of Lesbian Might have been that. Lives. Oh, I yes. think we saw that. It wasn't that. Was that? No. <laughs> 16 Candles, baby! <laughs> Right. It's it's that it's that kind of enjoying nostalgia versus the critical versus the critical lens. And you have, have this great. And I, I, one of the things I like about this sketch is that I feel like the the three women who are in the who are the queer theory reading group they're I don't think they're like they don't come off as the bad guys in this sketch. No one feels like a bad guy. There's just conflict because they're approaching it differently. I think there would be an easy way to write this sketch where you paint the people who are criticizing John Hughes as like being kind of jerks for being like, like just not saying like, Hey, this is a movie from the eighties. It's okay. But they're like, they have this point of view that's different. And the conflict comes in just these competing point of views, not uh, good and bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they don't actually ever say anything directly. Like nobody ever says 16 candles or Ooh, John Hughes. Nobody ever says anything like that. But the queer theory, they, reading, the one line they do have one line about like the date rape movie. Oh, the date like rape that. movie, oh. yeah, racist date rape movie. They do say that, but that's it. And then yeah. there, there's, I mean, everything. that's just a statement of fact. So. <laughs> it's, right, it's true. That's the thing, right? Um, I, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's. I don't know. I I think it's relatable to a lot of people in this in the sense that you do. They're not portrayed as villains, but you definitely recognize that character or that group of characters that can very easily be perceived as like kind of the, like the gatekeeping woke person where you feel like even if you're well-intentioned or it's just that you don't know, 
you still feel like you're being kind of it's they're being kind of condescending or scolding somehow just because like give me a break here I'm <laughs> well they even talk about that they were going to read a book or the title had like the killjoy of feminism or whatever yeah like, yeah which is them, you know, which right. is like, they don't have a sense of humor about anything, you know, that kind of, but again, but not in a way where you're supposed to dislike them for be, you know, like it's not a bad. No, but it's interesting character. you bring that up because if they had not make that, if they had not included that joke at the front where it suggested this, like they were not intended to be like supposed to be self-aware, but like it mm-hmm. sort of was a nod to you as the person watching the sketch that the people who were, writing the sketch were kind of aware that they yeah. could be perceived that way. I don't think, I think they could have come off as really like grinchy had that joke not been included. And which can be a really fine line too. Yeah. So that, that was probably the line right there. But yeah. For me, it was the, it was the Frasier form of comedy where you're mm. trying to, to, to stay highbrow as you're clearly not, and things are falling apart. Um, you know, as I, like, I'm trying to stay high class and meet you on your high class level, but I'm, everything I'm saying, everything that's happening is slowly falling out of frame. And so like, as the, the girlfriend is excited and, and is trying to engage and it's like, oh, they've caught me in the worst possible moment. I want these people to catch me, but I'm going to try and play out of it, but I'm going to fail while I play out of it. And I just love that kind of descent. And Fraser does that a lot. So but then she succeeds with the thing on her hand. But then she reveals that with she's the, as dumb as they think she is. <laughs> she's got you know? the thing on her hand. I also like Back to the she's Future a being a punchline in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. We're, we're going to go see Back to the Future that week. Oh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Carolyn Taylor does a great job as the, as the woman who is uh, both in the couple and in the queer theory reading group of trying to like balance, uh, of trying to like talk to both people at the same time or talk to both groups at the same time. I, I think she does a really great job in this sketch. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, I love the hand bit. Cause then it was kind of like, there is, there is that joke that like, that the, like there's so much language and like platitudes that kind of go into some of the, some of the analysis and the conversation that they're having as part of the feminist group or the queer theory group. Um, that like the fact that she can just read something off her hand that she like came to her one night. I thought it was like, it was a great little moment where she, like there was this rebalancing of kind of like, they're just as susceptible to kind of that, that nonsense as um, she is susceptible right. to kind of the, the nonsense of like 16 candles. Uh, remember she writes it down when Carolyn Taylor's character says stuff in her sleep. Yeah, like that's which I which I thought was just great. Yeah, so you say stuff in your sleep, and I write it down in case I want to use it later. <laughs> yeah, I loved her glee and revealing that to all of them to be like, I wanted yeah. to be really smart in this moment, and look, I did it. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I mean, I don't know if you guys ever watch this show regularly, but I've I've gone through the whole thing, and all five seasons are really great. But the fifth season is like top level gold, like. They You're just, talking Baroness on sketch. Show? Yeah, yeah, Baroness, Baroness oh, yeah. on sketch. Like, I love their stuff. It's great, short form, um, everyday life stuff. Really great jokes, clean comedy. Um, not all. Oh yeah, clean, this is this is my dream. It's pretty solid. Like, yeah, right. Yeah, like, I if idolize I could, them. If I could do comedy for the rest of my life, it would just with be women with like and just hilarious guys. It would be women amazing. where we could just like do, like it's amazing. <laughs> I love them. Love them. 
Uh, we have uh, we have another one of theirs coming up later. We on. do, we do, let's in a little there. bit. Yeah. Um, so let's yeah. let's keep. Sorry, Seth. Oh, just uh, just gonna say it's like between this letter, Kenny, and Shit's Creek, we are we are importing. Mm. A lot of Canadian comedy. Julie Nolke yeah. too. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and deny uh, the funny. That's right. I did. I did like how much emphasis you put on Canadian sketch yeah. group. It's like, a Canadian <laughs> sketch show. It was right. almost as though you were surprised. Well, <laughs> like, I just Canadians. want to point out, really, that that makes this an international list. That's true. There you go. And there's a British group. There's a British group on the honorable on the honorable mention list. So. That's true. And, and an Australian, Australian group coming up. Yes, and an Australian group on this list. Yeah. So between Canada and Isaiah, this is a really diverse podcast. And ah, shit, only, let's face it, those are the only <laughs> funny countries, really. Although the Norway has done some great stuff, thanks to Norseman. Is it Norseman? Norseman's Norse, funny. Yeah, yeah. Norseman yeah. is funny. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay, Andy, take it away. It's just a list, and it's just stuff people submitted. So like, but at some <laughs> point, we have to, we have to we poke some fun at just how white this list is. You know, we got to acknowledge it. We got to acknowledge it. Yeah, we do. We got to push harder and and reach further so we get more in to the pot. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jazz Friday. Sorry, who's introducing this one? I forgot. It's it's me. And Isaiah, it's what's this sketch? sketch? Comedy true featuring three white men. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, please don't destroy is great. Don't forget that. Yeah, We're doing Please our Don't best. Destroy. It's a really great sketch comedy troupe. I love their stuff. They got a YouTube channel as well, worth checking out. Um, they've been doing stuff on TikTok and Twitter, I believe, as well, um, under, uh, I think, Martin's account, uh, one of their accounts. But they do some really great um, off humor, like three guys hanging out in a room and something funny happens stuff. Uh, but they're a New York based sketch comedy troupe consisting of John Higgins and Martin Herlihy? Herlihy. Herlihy. Yeah, Herlihy. Uh, and Ben Marshall. And Jazz Friday it was directed by uh, Pete Christman and Russell Katz. Jazz Friday basically uh, is an is an office sketch. A guy thought he heard Jazz Friday when his boss said Casual Friday, and a whole argument breaks out because of it. And the guy shows up to work ready to celebrate Jazz Friday, and it's really disappointed that it's not Jazz Friday. He brought his saxophone. He changed his voicemail to match. He skipped his daughter's wedding. Uh, another coworker comes in and is like, happy Jazz Friday. But it's like, yeah, dude, I said casual Friday. And so like that whole dynamic of just um, people thinking something very silly is, is in fact happening and then being disappointed by that and just their tone throughout the whole sketch really resonated with me. And, and I, I just totally dug it. But it was like the right kind of silly for the moment. Hey guys, uh, happy oh JF. Oh my god. Um, do you have the uh, numbers for the uh... What are you, why are you dressed like this? Did you think it was Jazz Friday? I knew it was Jazz Friday. Martin. He canceled it. What? I didn't cancel Jazz Friday, okay? Jazz Friday never existed. I said casual Friday. Dude, you said Jazz Friday. I didn't say Jazz no, Friday. No, you said it was Jazz Friday. Nope. You told me and John, you said, bring your instruments because tomorrow's Jazz Friday. I did not say bring your instruments. You said bring your instruments and bring a jazz attitude. Why would there be a Jazz Friday? I will say out of the gate, my struggle with this sketch was that it never quite clicked for me how you could mistake ca jazz for casual. Yeah, yeah. There's a job. Cash Friday. Cash Friday. It's just cash. Well, Saturday. even if they had, even if they had structured the sketch that way, like it's Cash Friday, like <laughs> kind of like 
like you and you see a boss in like what what is that dumb hat that fuck boys wear? Pork pie. Or uh, fedora trilby. Fedora, fedora yeah. Hat? I'm thinking the fedora. I'm thinking the fedora. He's not I the bo- the other guy is the boss. The yeah, the one that. No, I know, I know, but you could totally see some like like asshole guy in a fedora being like, "We're gonna have Cash Friday in the office," you know, and like oh, that. I could I could make that jump. It was just I it think, just stuck I to me. That's what is funny about it is they that first the that he that this first guy wanted to hear jazz Friday so bad. Cause he's been like, he wanted a jazz Friday so bad. He's now like skipping his daughter's wedding and not even just like forgot about it because of jazz wedding or jazz Friday, but like actively not attending and hanging up on her multiple phone calls today already. And like wearing his little bedazzled hat. And then another guy comes in and also wanted jazz Friday so bad. They brought instrument, you know, like, it's like they heard what they wanted to hear, kind of a thing. You know? I'm glad he's holding a flute too. <laughs> <laughs> you said bring your instruments. Okay. I, I did not. I did not say. I, I really liked in this sketch when they start trying to compare jazz and advertising. Like try like like trying to find the similarities and they're like, it's first it's a it's a great it's a great um it's a great way of showing how you can start by making like little logical steps. And then that justifies you being able to make bigger leaps and it pays off that way. It's something that like when we're teaching the class, we talk about like when you're setting up your escalation, you don't want to go too big, too fast because then you lose people. But if you take little, you know, like a little step and then a slightly bigger step, then you can take a large step and an even larger step um, to get more absurd. And I, I, I think that happens really well in this sketch. I, I did love the the ending where they're kind of like uh they hated it they hated it oh <laughs> I guess and like the entire thing just backfires on them yeah. it was a phenomenal like I don't know how you how else you could have ended it so it was that was a phenomenal just like wrap up of all the absurdity yeah it definitely only has so many ways to go I mean they, I guess they could have had a a jam session where he just buys in and says all right it's Jazz Friday but I do like the idea that. Well, he starts to buy into it. At the, yeah. like, doesn't I mean, he, he, the sends him, like, he sends them to pitch Fanta. Yeah. I, mean, I almost felt like that he felt sorry for them. And it was like, you know what? All right, sure. Let's do this. And then he tries to like find rational a rational reason why this could work. I like, too, that um, he was like, well, I guess I'll go home and change. It's like, no, you can't, you can't leave. Like, don't. <laughs> but, like, we're at work. You can't leave. And then at the end, he's like, all right, just go home. Just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> give up. That's it. A throat punch is great too. <laughs> yeah. 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 You can punch me in the throat, but leaving work is another thing entirely. Yeah. That that was that was one of my favorite bits. I, I will say this is another one that I, I didn't particularly care for. I think the pacing had something to do with it. Yeah. Um yeah. It's too long. Yeah, yeah, it's too long. I no. for me, honestly. I was like, these are kids. Why are they in an office? <laughs> like, I don't know why. Yeah. It's like, so that hard. guy has a daughter? <laughs> but they, yeah, they seem, I know that like it's in comedy, we can, you know, suspend all kinds of belief. But for me, I was like, okay, I'll just get on this board. But is it just me? Or are they 12? Did, is, is it just me? <laughs> Just one of those things you notice as you I, age. I think this might just be a you thing. Like those. Yeah, look they like look normal, like normal working age wow. people. Normal adult sized men to me. Also, I, don't... I I do work. I do work with a, a a different. Everybody who in my organization is is like grandparent age. So maybe that's part of it too. I I work with different people, but 
It's uh, interesting no, you bring that up because actually this sketch could have been even funnier, maybe if it had been like an older, an older, older contingent, guys. and it had like, almost been like someone was waiting like decades of his career. Yes, right. Like, right. Yes, right. <laughs> and then finally, you made mistakes. You promised <laughs> me in my last review, I was only going to stay on for Jazz Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's let's move on to our next one. Who's up? Uh, is it Stu? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's also me. So Stu's a parody of Stan, which is that Eminem song about the, the crazed, obsessed fan uh, who's who just writes to us. You know, we all, with Dido, it was a big hit back in the day. Back it's in it's the so day. famous that it's become slang for a crazily obsessed fan. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I did yeah. not know that that's where that came from. Yeah. It's 20 yeah. years old, I believe, right now. Oh, it's, yeah. Yep. Yeah. At least, yep. Yeah. So Pete Davidson, who I do not like on Saturday Night Live, I have issues with why he's on the Shut show and his talent. This is like the one thing he's really good at doing. And when he does this, he like hits it out of the park every time. Uh, yeah, Jason but, Bateman, but Santa Claus. That- Sorry, go on, go on. We'll Jason, talk about I, it. We'll get to it, we'll get to it. I, I brought this up on the show before. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that, you know... Whatever. Uh, Jason Bates, this is Jason, Jason Bateman episode. He's Santa Claus. He receives a, a series of Christmas letters from uh, Pete Davidson, who's playing Stu. Uh, Eminem makes a cameo, cameo at the end, uh, which is really great. Uh, Bo and Yang uh, does Elton John impersonation, which I fucking love. Yeah. Uh, and Kate McKinnon does Dido. And it's just like a parody of the song, but from a Christmas angle. And it's hilarious. The energy... All the way throughout, from beginning to end, uh, I was just sold. The second the beat comes in, the second he comes in dressed as Eminem or, or Stu, uh, it just, across the board, just checks all the boxes for me. What, one of their strongest sketches from the year, hands down. Dear Santa, I noticed you never wrote me a letter back. That's fine, dog, except not really. I think that's kind of whack. If you can't help your biggest fan, then you should just retire. Or next time you slide down my chimney, I'll set your ass on fire. Just playing, I still love you. My girl thinks that I'm obsessed. I even got a tattoo of your name across my chest. Just bring that PS5, bro. If it's the only thing you do, sincerely yours, Stu. P.S. We should live together, too. Dino. Stu is waiting for his surprise. Stu open up. I, I like the way it's layered in a way that, like, the, the Bo and Yang is Elton John. Isn't that a reference to how they performed the song at the Grammys? Exactly. The Grammys, Elton yeah. John. Just reference it. all yeah. the pop culture moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really great. It was funny. I remember after the sketch came out, I was reading, I was reading a review of it that was, like, criticizing the sketch for, like, referencing a 20-year-old song and all of that. And I, I, I just didn't agree with that at all because I think the song – is an earworm. And I, I I think it's, you know, it's a song that was very impactful for anyone who would have seen it. It was a very, it was a huge song. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's, I think it's such, it's a, such a great, great parody. It, it really does. I mean, and as someone who's been trying to buy a PlayStation five, um, it's incredibly difficult. It still is. Mm-hmm. Um, they sell out within a minute when they go live. Um, Andy, obviously websites. this year has been hardest on you of all. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I've been oh trying. I've tried my <laughs> Did you make a TikTok and ask your mom how many likes you need to get a PlayStation 5? Is that? Your TikTok <laughs> will blow up and then strangers will buy you a PlayStation 5. I, Isaiah may nice. think he's joking, but he's not. This is, this is <laughs> happening I, I out in the it. world. It, there, yeah, this is, this is a thing. This is a thing. Mm-hmm. It's happening. 
people maybe come. I had to put but also what, what kind that. of what kind of self-important tired old asshole has time to just sit around and critique sketch comedy like that Ugh. yeah seriously <laughs> <laughs> i think i think it's funny that but i mean people criticize snl for being too topical and then they criticize it for being like well that was 20 years ago what's your problem man but like you know but it, it resonates. And there are things that, like you said, hip hop culture and, and they stay and they mean, it's like an, the Alanis Morissette's um, ironic. Like people still yeah. know that. Still, uh, they're still still and, and again, if you, if you have lent your name now to a slang term based on what happened in the song, if that's, if, you know, like Stan has become that term, yeah. then it's probably still relevant enough for you to reference it in a sketch. That is Gen Z slang. Yeah, it's not startling. Yeah, when it came out, and I, I was gonna say, like, I, did did the same guy clip uh, Auntie Donna for having Paul F. Tompkins sing Fifty Style Road songs as a jukebox? Right. Probably you know, not. I, I, you know, I it it just stood out to me as, as as something that was it was just like you know, just like looking for any reason to be negative about something. Yeah. I think I think as we're as we're going through this list, we're all realizing that like we, you know you can hear it. All of us have liked and not liked other things, but like we, I think we understand. Each of us understands why these things are funny for the most part, even if like, even if it's not our favorite thing, and it's not just like you know. The goal of this show is never to just like tear down a sketch and say this like this is bad. This is not funny. Point out like you know, and I and I just you know just thought it was interesting. I also Hmm. think that I always appreciate. I'm always excited to see. uh, I. We'll put an asterisk and say I'm a diehard SNL fan. Diehard. Um, and uh, so take with that what you will. But I'm always interested to see what they do, uh, like with Thanksgiving and Christmas and ever since David S. Pumpkins, Andy's favorite sketch of all time, mm-hmm. um, Halloween too. Like when they, do the, when they do the holiday sketches, uh, like how they can turn it into something new, um, yep. you know, than just it's Santa at his workshop or something. I mean, you know, like, yeah. uh, and how they change it's, uh, like with, uh, Ryan and Santa baby from last year, two years ago when he wanted to meet Santa so bad. And it was like at the the house and they thought Ryan Santa Gosling, was going to be yeah. there. Ryan yeah. Gosling. Oh yeah. yeah. And it was amazing. That was genius. Um, but finding new ways to connect to like the same holiday schmeal that we all, you know, I think, I think is also what was great about it. Cause it just, it was such a darker turn than other things, you know, that they've done. They still did the mom robe one, which hello resonated. Yeah, the mom robe. Well. That, yeah. That was great. But this was that, that, yeah, this, this being such a darker side of the holidays and, and that, and pulling it all together, they did it really seamlessly. I, I actually love Pete Davidson's trajectory here. Um, like, they're finally, like, seeing him really use, like, excel in the musical comedy that otherwise SNL just wouldn't have at their disposal without right his now. talent. Yeah. And just letting him kind of get unhinged and dirty and weird. And it's like... like the Grinch. He also played the Grinch this year, too. Yeah, yeah. He's doing some great stuff. Mm-hmm. And by the way, we owe him an apology for making him apologize on air to Dan Crenshaw. I realize that's topical and political. I don't care. No, I agree. Um, I I just want to say that (laughs) completely still on topic, but not any of the other things we've just said. One of my favorite parts of this is the elves reacting to every Stan letter. 
as it comes in. <laughs> like they just get continually more afraid of what's going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's the it's the juxtaposition, right? Is that the right way? Again, toddlers and six year olds. This is, I know first grade vocabulary these days. Um, but uh, the two, I think, is the right word you want to use. Right word. Yeah. Um, uh, and the dark, and then the like bright, cheery world yeah. mixing yes. the two. Yeah. Isaiah, can you remind us what your issues are with Pete Davidson since we are talking about Pete Davidson and Bring it. since he's going to come up in another SNL sketch? God. All right. So my problem always been that he's not talented and he's not as talented as people think he should be. Like he shouldn't like you look at. Because he doesn't do characters the same way or. Everyone on that show. Because he breaks Is really good. Like is high quality. Uh, Eddie Bryant. Like all of them just like. Star, 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 star. And then you get to Pete and you're just like, why are you on here? Like, watch his stand-up. Like, is it the best? Is he crushing it? Is he doing something that nobody else can do? You because know? Lauren is a smart businessman. I know he is. He, he is the, he's um, the Andy. He's Andy Sandberg and Adam Sandler. He's the Andy. youngest generation. He's, he's the, Andy. Yeah. No. He's Andy a, can act. Yeah, but. He's, and, but he's, he's got a show. He's doing it. He's doing it a show. But he resonates. He resonates with like a th- that generation and the people. That's all, that's all it is. That's all it is. He comes on. No. He would go. Ah. I, I disagree. Disagree. I love when he when he. He's talks the Belushi about type for this series. That's all he is. No, I think I think he has some he has some talents and some like comedic a comedic lens that is just not necessarily totally aligned with. SNL and how SNL it's, has sort of been it's produced and evolved over time. It's a little, it's a little on the, it's, it's not a little, it is on the edge. It's mm-hmm. darker than SNL is used to. If Pete Davidson's your fringe for your show, then your show isn't very, like if he's the fringe, then your show is not conservative. SNL is, LNL, SNL is super mainstream. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, there's not a ton of stuff to come out of SNL that's like, Super controversial. I, I mean, mean good neighbor. Does I know that he left politically. On SNL. That's it. And that's it. And that's as far as they push. I'm like, ah, oh, this is a good neighbor sketch. This is an SNL sketch. Yeah, but like the mom robe sketch, like there was nothing particularly controversial or like. No. That was know. all true, factual stuff yeah. that happened. <laughs> no. All right, well, let's go to our next one. This uh, this sketch is another Saturday Night Live sketch. It is called Medieval Times. Uh, it aired in uh, the first third of the year. Yeah, when uh, or the I guess the first quarter of the year when um, SNL was still live uh, at the beginning part of the year. Uh, it's Adam Driver as a performer at Medieval Times who has been taking community college acting classes and is taking the fake medieval scenario of uh, medieval times a little too far. Uh, I think this is this sketch thrives um, part maybe entirely because of Adam Driver as a phenomenal comedic actor. Uh, he does mostly serious acting professionally, but anytime you see him do comedy, and basically anytime he's hosted Saturday Night Live, it is a great episode of Saturday Night Live. so it's hard into that sketch. serious persona of his. Right, and he has the, he has this his his face is very severe in a lot of ways, which makes it interesting for comedy. He doesn't have this kind of like elastic Jim Carrey comedy face. He has this dramatic, serious face, um, and I, I think that adds a lot to it. And just 
just the seriousness with what uh, with the way he takes it, it it works so well. It's so funny. A knight who decided to wear his own costume from home for some reason. The noble red and yellow knight. My lands were taken. My village burned on the orders of this false king. All because we would not pay his unjust tax. Hey, Cameron, I know you're taking that acting class, but please don't do this. His soldiers murdered my son. No, they did. And ravaged my wife! Except they didn't! He puts, actually, the cast of SNL to shame. It's it's almost like when he comes on, like, everyone else is there to support the genius of Adam Driver. Like, like he's a, also like noticeably not read. He's not reading cue cards. Yeah, he, oh, no. he's memorized Which, it like a play. Like, seriously, he's got yeah, that. Yeah, he, he commits 100%. He does not phone in a single word. It's so, he is such a joy to watch on that show. Yeah. Cool. I, <laughs> I, 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 my, my favorite was just cutting back to Keenan. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> as, as, as Keenan the kid, Keenan the kid, because that's that's our perspective, right? That's the audience is watching through Keenan's eyes, you know. Yeah, and that's, that's good. all of us at medieval times. If this happened, also if this actually happened in medieval times, would we all go to medieval times all the time? Oh, like, I, yeah, I, Isaiah I loves medieval times. I, yeah. I've been more than a half dozen. I've times. never been. It's I've fun. never. I take my never. Isaiah has been I many times. Always. The, the, the secret is. Chicken. You, you go. It's yeah. You Blood go. Chicken. You you enjoy it. The, f- gotta, the food is terrible. The oh. food is terrible. But just like get out it's of your head. Middle ages. They didn't have spice. Buy the bottle of wine. Don't get a glass. Don't get a cup. <laughs> just buy the bottle of wine and drink out of the bottle. Yeah. It'll it will just make the whole experience so much better. Just See, I always people. drink the bottle of wine before, before. the show that even too. starts. Do that too. Because that's a more cost-effective <laughs> way to enjoy it. I will say, if you love medieval times, you need to take yourself down to Gatlinburg, Tennessee <gasps> and watch the Dolly Parton version of, of medieval like, times? of medieval times. Except it's about, like, that. it's this sort of um, very politically incorrect... Um, What's it called? Um, it's Isaiah's there. It's it's Dolly Dolly's times. Stampede. Oh. Dollywood. Yeah, it's in Dollywood. Dollywood. They just changed the name because a bunch of people criticized her for it being offensive, which it was. And they, they changed, changed the, the show oh, a little Dixie bit Stampede. to make yeah, Dixie yeah. Stampede. Yeah, it's no longer called Dixie Stampede. It's called yeah. Dolly Parton's Stampede. It's called the Chicks now. Um, that place yeah. is fun no but it's huge it's exactly like it's even more produced and over the top than medieval times it's still wildly offensive at moments and you're just like they they are right down there like we were there um uh, in october and everything is decorated for halloween but nobody says halloween they just say harvest time down there because you don't mm-hmm. celebrate halloween because then's the devil's time so right, right. like and that's throughout the park like it's wholesome oh yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's they kept asking my husband who's from New York and they were like, You're not from around here, are you? And I was like, How can you tell from his face? And they could tell. Oh yeah, they know. Yeah. They know. Well, he also doesn't look inbred at all. Which- well, wow. Shots <laughs> fired, Gatlinburg. <laughs> speaking of hey, offensive. Um, yeah. Uh, actually, one, speaking uh, of offensive. No, you go ahead. No, no I, was gonna say, I, I think Driver. I know where you're going to go. So why don't you start? Uh, well, the the thing is that Adam Driver uses two terms in this sketch, two terms which are not racial slurs, but which it's not a great idea to call people. Yeah. 
because he's done that thing, he's done that specifically white guy thing where he's like, well, it's authentic. Well, this is this is what I would have said if I were a knight in medieval times. And it's like, yes. And right. if you were a knight in medieval times, it would have been perfectly okay. But it's not now. It's not now. Yeah. You're, you're not a knight. It's not medieval times. Yeah. But I, they, I like how they, they call, call him out in the sketch. Like oh, they, oh, and they yeah. do call yeah. him out in the sketch. Yeah. For doing I think that. Seth, you mean the character he's playing? I mean the character, not yes. Adam Driver, the not Adam yeah. Driver, the character <laughs> he's playing. Uh, but I, I do love that. Then both of the people who are so addressed are like, "Yeah, no, that's it. I'm out. I'm out." Yeah. Yeah. Bo and Yang's reaction is my favorite. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, which, is, which is just great. And I really, I, the other, the other thing I really like, the other character in this, I think it's really strong, is Mikey Day's character. Yeah, just um, trying to be cheery the whole time. He's just trying. Nope, the manager wants to see you in his office right now. <laughs> Steve P. (laughs) Except it isn't. Um, All right. Oh, sorry. uh, One thing. Mikey Day is usually in good sketches, too. Mikey Mikey Day excels at being... I just interrupted you. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's it's totally fine. I think we we agree that once I see him on screen, I know the sketch will probably have some legs. It's not going to die. No, he he is truly like just top tier, like an amazing comedic performer, I think just because he is so skilled at being the straight man and being the kind of traffic cop in a sketch who is trying to police and rein in some of the crazy. Like you look even- When he plays Don Jr., he does it. Yeah, he's trying to rein in Eric. It's it's almost, he plays the same character a lot, but he's so- good at it and he just sets up so many other people in those sketches to shine and really make sure that like the pacing is set so that they have the moments to really make like the absurd character bits really stand out it's i don't think i've ever seen him break either he's really good in those crazy moments he's exceptional Yeah. yeah all right well let's move on to our next sketch uh jess i think this is you here we go. Okay. Um, so Housemate Interview, this is Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun on Netflix. And uh, this is the American-Australian sketch comedy TV show that we were talking about before, uh, created by and starring members of the group um, Auntie Donna, which is Mark Bonanno, Broden Kelly, and Zachary Ruan. Um, and this is... So those are the three actors. There are also other people in Auntie Donna. Oh, okay. Yeah. Those There's are the another writer, the director, and the guy who makes the music. Mm-hmm. Wait, you guys carry on. We're facing a 20, a, a, like a pandemic reality here. I have to go grab a package off my porch before someone steals it. I will be back momentarily. <laughs> carry on. So oh, this 2020. is okay. kind of one of those classic things. And again, this is one of those tropes that you've seen a lot. I think Geico, you know, has a commercial with like, you know, y- you're looking for a housemate, you're interviewing new people, you know, like, how are you going to mesh together and everything? And this is just, they just go through, you know, it's not the the same old, same old. It's the list of all the different characters, kind of a person like who's doing stand up and makes your whole office come watch. And, yeah. And just, just the examples, even if it's like, it's like a three second shot of the, the interview uh, of the different kinds of characters that, that they're interviewing. Um, including puppets and a guy who's definitely not a dishwasher. A cowboy. Stick him up. A cow doy. A cow doy. 
a cow soy. Thank you, small carton of milk. We'll let you know in due course. Sir Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> superhero who got bit by a radioactive chameleon. I have the chameleon's greatest powers, and it's his claws. I have the claws of a chameleon. Respectable judge who just ripped a massive old bong. I sentence you to get me some chicken nuggets. Puppet. Hi! Puppet with a plush puppy. Hi! Puppet with a plush puppy and a plant. Hi! <laughs> I think the yeah. I think the best part is their their flat read of the character yes. and then the performance. And I think usually in a list sketch, the read, what you're saying is the funny thing as you go through. But the fact that they're just saying it and then you instead of having to think about what that's being said, the weird thing that's being said, now you get to see it happen, you know? Uh, the puppet, the puppet with the plushy dog, the puppy with the plushy dog and a plant. Like you, now you it's that back and forth bounce that that gets it going. I really enjoy when they uh, thank the tiny boxed milk for coming in, the box of soy milk. We will let you know in due form. Uh, I think it can be really hard to make like filmed list sketches. Um, they seem to be something that play better on stage than on video. And this is a really, really great one. Um, and, and one of the things that's nice is some of the recurrences is like, like you said, like the, the, the puppet, the puppet with the plant, that bit. The the other one I really like is the um, the like generic thirty year old white guy who's like, the Dark Knight is just an amazing film, <laughs> um, and then yeah. comes back in later when when Mark Bonanno is being the, the Joker. guy who takes cosplay too seriously. Exactly, they're, they're, they're just like amazing film. film. <laughs> yeah, I also like that they don't start on any normal platform they they don't start with just like a guy from work or something like you literally wouldn't want to pick anybody that they're interviewing there's no like good choice here they start with like stinky guy it's like that's yeah. I'm stinky. that's that's the worst thing you're gonna have in a roommate <laughs> which is also a great line that they set it up the first thing is apparently the worst thing you could have in a roommate, and then it gets worse. Yeah. And then they settle on Cowdoy, who is just like this random recurring character in the show. There's no there's no normal platform to springboard to. They're already in the world of like crazy fantasy where they all just accept. I mean, that's their show, too. And I think that resembles a lot of their comedy as well, where they're just so absurd from the get-go, and it's full tilt, it's out of 10, Everyone's committed to the bit. And like that energy is what, like Andy said earlier, is one of the reasons why it's probably one of the best comedy things to come out of 2020. Um, I benched that show really fast. You did as well. Yeah. And then wanted to keep watching more of it and, and then went through their YouTube page, which has a ton of great stuff on it. Um, it's just good. It's just, I like, love how we're going to do it and we're going to do it big. How colorful. It is, and I think it it kind of speaks almost to, it's almost like one of the really big things to come out of Australia um, and mainstream around the world was the Wiggles and like these adult people who are like singing and dancing in these crazy weird outfits, um, like just turtlenecks is what I'm talking about, crazy. Um, and who uh, <laughs> wears turtlenecks? Um, but uh, like tight turtlenecks. Uh, and uh, they have that same kind of joyous, level of like a hundred when it comes to like the full hello boys and girls like that kind of uh like just three-dimensional energy to like every one of their sketches you know it is a 
big, crazy fun house. So, um, I, 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 I like it. it. It like speaks to a kid in you and then it morphs to like the puppet is hilarious with the plant, but then it morphs to like other things and much more adult humor in the same second. Yeah. 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 Which is, and again, I think we the, see, cause the thing is what you don't get before this sketch, if you just watch this section of it is the reason that they're having roommate auditions or roommate uh, interviews is because the dishwasher has stopped working and they've thrown it out. They, and then the last it, one, the last interviewee is the dishwasher. Is the dishwasher. Yeah. They've told it, it can no longer stay there. And it's, no. Yeah. <laughs> they put it on the curb. Yeah. <laughs> and what's your face does the voice? She does all the, the yeah. Bob's burgers. The- um, it's um, she was on 30 rock. She was on fire. The Kristen Concord. Shaw? Kristen Shaw. Yeah. Christian yeah, Shaw. What is it? Dance like a horse? Christian Shaw. Yeah, Christian Shaw is a horse. Christian Shaw is a horse. Look at her dance. Her. Look at her go. She's great. Christian Anytime, all the characters she does, especially on Gravity Falls as Mabel. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. The Gravity Falls up. delightful show. I haven't watched that one yet. It's, yeah, it's, I haven't seen it. It's on Disney Plus if you got Disney Plus. Oh, okay. That's good to know. Yeah. And Hulu, um, right? Maybe. What's on Hulu? Uh, a lot Damn of stuff. Oh, I, love, I watch uh, most of my content on Hulu. The Bachelor franchise. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> if you're watch, if you're listening to this on podcast form, you will miss the epic hair flip that EK. Just- yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think that got in my eye, EK. Yes. <laughs> And our next sketch (laughs) uh, is another one from Auntie Donna, actually. Uh, It is called Morning Brown. Uh, It is a surprisingly catchy song that starts being about coffee and then ends up being about fucking. Sleepy boy, try as I might, I didn't get much sleep last night. I need to drink this morning brown, cause last night I was doing a fuck. I was fucking all night long. I was fucking with my ding dong. I fucked in a bed, I fucked in a seat, I fucked like a Labrador in heat. Whoa, man, that's TMI. It's a coincidence though. I'll tell you what, I too was fucking all last night. I fucked real hard to the morning light. I would, if I had not watched the sketch and I heard that note specifically i would think that's kind of a generic or that heard that description i would think that was kind of a generic and played out kind of sketch like it starts about one thing but it's actually about sex but this isn't really about sex at all like it's it's fucking as a vehicle to be silly and not as anything that's really like it's not a they're not telling sex jokes there are a couple of them in there but like they're not really about sex it's more about the the juxtaposition of they're silly singing and then the music changes um, yeah. and they're just kind of these like, I don't know, like these dark club figures like yeah, well, singing about. Yeah, because you know, it's like morning brown, morning brown. I fuck like this. And it's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and of course, like to, to be clear, when they get to the they get to the part about fucking, they're all ridiculous. Like they oh, yeah. say ridiculous things when they have sex and they move in ways that would seem to be unpleasant or uncomfortable at the very least. <laughs> oh no, yeah, the that dancing was some of the when least, they just 
like the least <laughs> sexy, least appealing kinds of <laughs> descriptions of what they are like as sexual partners. I'm like, pass, hard yeah. pass. Yeah, um, the, I think, yeah, sorry, Seth. I was just going to say, I think my favorite thing about it is when the sketch started, I thought they were going to, it was going to end up being a commercial for like a coffee substitute or for somebody just doing a very generic version of coffee called Morning Brown. Yeah, or, or that it was going to be a poop joke or something yeah. like that. I, yeah. That, yeah. That's where I thought it was going. And and there's just this great bit when it, right about when it turns is, I think Zach is playing the part of the, like, I just don't know what this is. Yeah. That's so it. there's, yeah. you know, he goes through this morning brown, morning frown, what the heck is morning uh, brown? And then Broden, I think is it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, he like explains what it is. And then that Zach has a line about, Morning Brown, I'm not sure. Could you explain it some more? And then Brody just says, it's coffee, you fuck. And then it's <laughs> Which that has that has entered my lexicon since I read that. I say it's coffee, you fuck all the time. Now. Yeah. I'm sure that your wife enjoys that. She <laughs> says it too. The way that you she communicate. says it too. Yeah. Of course. But that short circuits the whole sketch right there. And I remember the first time I was watching it, I'm like, well, what are they going to do from here? Clearly they're doing a commercial and then it becomes about uh, all the fucking that they did last night. Um, and again, on my second watch, it occurred to me that it it could be interpreted as that all of that fucking was with each other. Yeah. That these three roommates were all, they were they were having a small orgy. So, do they uh, do a lot of their sketches in that kitchen area? Because the yes. interview was yeah. there too. It's a great little set though. It's yeah, it's it a is. beautiful set. Someone's it kitchen. Is, it's great. There's a yeah. great scene in it where there's a great sketch in the show where they walk out the front door just like onto the set of the actual show because it's not really a house. It's a yeah. it's on a sound yeah. stage. Um, and it's a really, really fun, fun sketch. The they way they break just the kind fourth of, wall and yeah. kind of like yeah. leave the frame and they do a lot of great stuff because they're working in the other members, um, like the director. How uh, many Tom, people are in the group altogether? I think there's there's like six in total. Six or seven, yeah. Six or seven. Uh, the other guys are Max Miller, uh, Singlingham, and Tom Armstrong, who've done all the music. I think for me, one of Auntie Donna's strong point is their songs, their silly songs, and this is probably the best one. But the others are just are just as good or in that same vein where it's where it's 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 full on goofy there's a lot of dancing and weird movements um but high energy so it's it's you eat it up i now want to make a sketch where i am talking to contractors about how i want to renovate my kitchen and I'm playing them this sketch. Do you see this. the poles? Do you see the poles behind do them? That's what them? I want. Yeah. Exactly. Where the sink is centered. No, wait till he gets out of that. Wait yeah. for the sex move yeah. to be done. Do you okay. see how easy it is to walk around that island? That's the kind of traffic flow I want. Wait until they get past the fucking verse. Do you and want then to be you'll be able, able to, to see the lower cabinets. Do you want to be able to walk around it while you're leaning forward and just frantically kicking your legs out in front of you really <laughs> fast? That, that, that dance was my favorite. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right, let's go to the next one. Uh, who's got this one? Uh, this is Emotionally Radioactive. It's our second Baroness Von Sketch entry on the list. So it starts off, it's this, I think the the premise is that these women are, are supporting their friend to go retrieve her personal belongings from her now ex-boyfriend's apartment. 
the additional layer here is that they're setting it up so as though um, it is like an actual, like a literally toxic and radioactive environment. Like they're wearing the the hazmat suits and everything. Um, they only have 60 seconds and there are these traps set within that could like completely derail this, uh, derail this attempt to get her stuff and get out very, very quickly. This breakup's been a disaster. Thank you so much for helping me get my stuff back. Hey, anytime. We're here for you. Yeah. Once we're done, you never have to come back here for the rest of your life. Okay. I'll be on the clock. When you hear me bang this, no matter what you're doing, you get out. Copy. Stay strong, and no matter what, do not smell his t-shirts. All right. You ready? You ready? Ready. Go, 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 go! And I think the, the key thing uh, is the, it's a spoof on the, the same scene that happens in HBO's Chernobyl uh, with the, the graphite cleaning off the rooftop scene. That's all one take. Um, it's one, the camera's falling the characters around. There's uh, the sound of the radioactive meter in Tiger. the background. It's very intense, high drama. And they pretty much do the same. They capture that same energy in this scene. And it's, you know, once they go in the room, it's one take the whole time. And you yeah. almost don't even notice or feel it. Because they're running around, they're screaming, they're yelling, they're grabbing each other. Don't um, smell the t-shirt. We, yeah. we tried to do a one-take thing, and it really kind of didn't work. It's hard. It's so hard. hard. It's that and to match it and um, at a con- and do it in a comedy way where you don't you don't have four HBO episodes to lead up to the scene, so that it you know it's just relying on that one moment. Um, they nail it, and yeah. it's just a, again a perfect example of why they're they're the best. Yeah, the, well, the color I, palette too of everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. the tone of it all and everything it matches. And I I never actually I've never Chernobyl is one of those things that has been on my watch list. Like I I had intended to watch it yeah. in 2020 and then March it and I'm just like I can't do it. I can't it right handle now. it. Yeah. Um, I've been the same. So I had never even seen the show and it totally stands on its own even Absolutely. just taking that that very like taking it very literally like what you are on a mission to do like it almost even without the chernobyl reference like you totally get that this could just be an absurd like a heightening of like yeah. an actual radioactive situation yeah and that there are those things that are just gonna hold you up like the t-shirt thing is hilarious uh, um, my my favorite bit was actually the bit at the end when the yeah, guy comes home, guy comes back. his door is bricked up or cemented over, and it just has a sign that says "Danger, very emotionally radioactive." <laughs> what the? <laughs> that was yeah. a great yeah. button. That, that was a great button for that. That was my yeah. favorite too. And it, it's you know, it's it's so hard to do good buttons. We've talked about yeah. it a thousand times. Yeah. It's so hard to that end was, sketches, and this I think sketch it's was a great. The end. hardest thing about sketch comedy <laughs> is to end it. Well, that's the Are thing they, that we usually pick on the most in general yeah. on sketch nerds is ending good. Uh, even, you know, sketches that we've brought in, it's like, yeah, this is good. I really like it. Except the ending. Um, I well, also like the like mug break. Oh, the mug breaking was great. Yeah. Well. yeah. 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 The mug that when she sits down on the couch with the photograph is really fun. 26. Yes. We were so young, but we were so young. Yeah. It's such like a great, like, 
Like that's the kind of line where everyone has looked at a photo and thought, wow, I was so young back then. Well, of course you were like time continues to pass, but that's a thought that we've all had. Uh, yeah. Some very relatable. It's a, it's so heightened, but still so relatable. I think we've all like, you know, you know, an ex's sweatshirt or something is still there and you smell it and you're like, oh man, it really still does smell like them. Like it's all very relatable. Yeah. Oh no, I, I have done this trip with girlfriends before. <laughs> we're in, oh, we're wow. out, let's go. Yeah, I mean, it is like, are you sure he's not there? Are you sure he's at work right now? Cause we're mm-hmm. not gonna do this if he's there. And then it is like, just throw it in the bag, keep moving, let's go, let's go. Like, we're not gonna, do, we're not gonna, like, this is so, and that's why I say like the Chernobyl thing is almost just kind of a, a level of absurdity that makes it, makes it fun. But like even the dialogue word for word, like, the vocabulary of the radioactivity. This is a familiar situation. It it could be a totally real thing. Yeah. And sometimes I think you should wear hazmat suits in ex's apartments. You know, Mm -hmm. you just, you just never know. Should we move on to the next one? Yeah, last sketch. Yeah. All right, Seth. Oh, are we here? Are we here already? My goodness. We're here. We're All here. right. Um, We're here. Number 10. Number 10. This is our 10th 10. one. We're in our 10th one. It's Uncle Ben uh, featuring Maya Rudolph as Aunt Jemima, Keenan Thompson as Uncle Ben, Dave Chappelle as the Allstate guy, and <laughs> Pete Davidson as Count Chocula, and who's on the other side of the desk? Alec Baldwin and, and who else? Um, Mikey Day one It's then? definitely about... Um, I'll I'll really we're all looking really Mikey Day and, um, what's your face? The other strong actor on the show. Mikey Day and, uh, Hi, Heidi. Is it Heidi? It's, it's, it, it almost doesn't matter. The point yeah. is it's three white people. Yeah, it's, it's, people. it's Heidi. It's Heidi. Yeah. 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 It's, three it's Heidi Gardner. Now wait a cotton picking minute, Uncle Ben. you sell me out. It ain't personal, son. But if we getting fired, you should be getting fired, too. Yeah, yeah, fire Allstate guy, too. Stop calling me Allstate guy. I have a name. It's Guy from Waiting to Exhale. <clears throat> it, it, it's honestly just, I was sold on this from the, Maya Rudolph's first line. Yeah. <laughs> just, so was the audience. Obviously. It's like, yeah, it's like, I'm sorry, we we just have to let you go. But I meant Jemima, and it's just, <laughs> oh well, my Chappelle's god, Chappelle's setup too, ahead of it. which was very, yeah. was very Chappelle show. Yeah, which is why I loved it. That's the yeah. whole thing. Set the joke up, go it up. into it, and like they could have just blacked out at that and called the day. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Huge uh, laugh. But it's it's just uh, it's just it's just it's it's Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben being fired, and as we all know, that those two mascots were uh, heavily redesigned uh, earlier this year when somebody was like, "Hey, um, you know those uh, mascots are actually pretty racist, right?" And the companies went, "What? Uh-huh. Oh, they knew. <laughs> they knew. They knew. They knew. I um, took a picture. Uh, I was in the grocery store." And I took a I'm picture like, of the bottle. The last one. They just took her off. Yeah. 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 She's just not there. Like there's a, there's an empty red space where her face used to be. Yeah. Miss Butterworth suffered the same uh, fate too, didn't she, Mrs. Butterworth? Might be. I wouldn't be. I don't know. Is that not right? 
Maybe. I don't. It's, I don't wait, know. So they didn't even bother to redesign it. It's just they probably a void. will at some point. I think in the short they took term, the Land of Lakes girl just, off the butter yeah, too. She's off the butter yeah, too. She, she's not. Yeah, there she's anyway, just. Yeah. It's just a sunrise. Yeah. Well, they they needed to take the Land of Lakes girl off the yeah. butter. Yeah. That's that's always been a little to Land of Lakes credit. Uh, a um, collectively owned company. Oh, good for Land them. Of, yeah, Land of Lakes is owned by the butter producer. Is owned by the dairy farmers. They also took her off really quickly when people were doing this stuff. Like they were one of the first because I remember them talking about it. And then the next time I was in the store, she was gone. Hmm. Just saying. Anyways, Chappelle. For me, the yeah. second best joke is when <laughs> Dave announces that he's the Allstate guy. Yeah. Because <laughs> it comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Because <laughs> the, the, the thing is, uh, I can't think of the actor's name, but that's a that's Dennis an actual Hayes person. Burn. Yeah. Dennis. Hay- so I I found this fast. This is may just be <coughs> may just be me aging myself, but like I know so many people know him as the the all state voice, the all state guy. I know him as the president in twenty four. Yeah. And when he this is a spoiler, this is a spoiler, but when his character was killed in twenty four. I remember this. Well, I remember watching that moment in my basement. I reacted to that as though it was a reaction. Like the actual president. Like I was just <laughs> like I, my like my mom you. actually came out of the office and asked what was wrong. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, well, but they use a the voice. Note- I think it's so funny they use a voice modulator, even though Chappelle already has this deep voice. They went beyond with like his because it, it messes I don't up know a couple how they times. Did that. Yeah, that was, that I don't was know. It's bad. like whoever's speaking at that point is going to go through it because uh, Pete had it for like a half second or something in the sketch. So, um, but I think it's funny that they even made it instead of just him being, cause he can go there. He's got a rich yeah. character. But. Well, and, and the, when he was the, I remember there being controversy when he died as the president on 24, because in the commercial break, immediately following that, there was an Allstate ad with him in it. Oh, uh, um, no. <laughs> I didn't realize that. Funny. Yeah. Uh, I was watching was it on DVD. Crying so. into her pillow when it happened. So. No, I, I mean, he's he is sort of like, you know, there's like Martin Sheen on West Wing. Amen. And then, and there's, yeah. then there's Dennis Haysbert. And what was, I don't remember, God, I should remember his name in that show. Palmer, David Palmer. The fact that I remember that is silly. Mm-hmm. Um, is Independence Day count? I was going to say, because <laughs> Bill Pullman, but then also Morgan Freeman, wasn't he Deep Impact? The president in Deep Impact was Morgan Freeman? No, but David, like no, David it Palmer... Was, and Martin it- Sheen. Those are my two TV presidents. For sure. For yeah. sure. Um, For sure. I think but- I think in Independence Day, he had like that one really great speech. And he was yeah, generally was willing to Day. trust scientists and facts and Will Smith. I'm Absolutely. Like, I mean, that's a great moment in leadership, but I honestly can't make a judgment. Like I've seen <laughs> a long, I've seen a long history of, of Dennis Haysbert as president. And, and Bartlett. I like his style. And Bartlett. Absolutely. I, I just know that one snippet of time. He's an educated man. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't know what that, I don't know I, what Bill Pullman was doing as president. I, Bill Pullman can do anything he wants to. I'll only fans him all the time. In Independence Day, he was a Republican president. I don't, I don't think they ever said. Yeah, because she, she, because really? uh, the uh, Will Smith's ladies, like I voted for the other guy. Oh, 
Oh. The, how about she could be a Republican? You don't know. Don't uh, be wait, I mean, uh, what year was go with the no on that? What year was <laughs> what year? Strippers what can't year be Republicans. Way to go. Ninety six. Ninety six. I think. Yeah. They yeah. probably filmed in 95, 94. 96, 98. 96, yeah. yeah. So what did being a Republican even mean then? Was it still? The Republican changed. Revolution like was nineteen ninety. No, no, no. The Republican Revolution was nineteen ninety four. That's like. The high, the Contract beginning of neocon, yeah, yeah, is nineteen ninety four, the midterm okay. election. Then Newt Gingrich takes Jessica control of the house into this moment. Okay, so he time. was probably like an like if he was already in office at that point, presumably he was like on the other side of that. Probably. This is this is a silly conversation. This is a fictional. <laughs> Yeah, we're not, not really related to this sketch. Well, we're Anything saying else about is, this sketch. What we're saying, well, I love Chappelle's. The Chappelle break where he's like, seriously, America. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Look at his lips. Uh, hey, let me let me Pete set this Davidson. up really quick, though. Not even. Yeah. Okay. Um, he, he Pete comes in. Uh, Pete Davidson comes in playing Count Chocula. I just want to go back really quickly. So we've had the absurdity of having two mascots who are not real people mm-hmm. lose their jobs in a they're being fired. The Allstate guy who is a real person and is not racist in any way, shape, or form, also loses his job because of this. And then they bring in Pete Davidson as Count Chocula. So they've heightened it again because not only is this a mascot, he's a cartoon character who keeps insisting he's made of chocolate. And then Dave Chappelle's character is like, no, you're not not made of chocolate, you're black. And then he proceeds to say, look at his lips. No, America. Look at Pete Davidson's lips. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think that anybody has ever, like, I have seen a lot of SNL, and I can't remember anybody ever being called out for their name in a sketch. Like, breaking and and maybe doing something a little different, like Chappelle, but being called their name on stage by somebody else. And the Kate McKinnon breaking on, uh, on Outlook's desk doesn't count because that was planned, I'm pretty sure. The second time definitely was planned. So was she uh, the dental dam with the uh, no Charles Barkley. No, recently they when she's doing stuff and then she just like loses it and he's like, "Are you okay?" And she goes like, "Oh yeah, yeah, that was I'm definitely not. planned." Yeah yeah, 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 definitely planned. But the first time nobody thought that it was planned. The second time you could tell it was planned. But yeah, to call to go that far at calling somebody out and then because Chappelle, I mean, you just look. <laughs> Yeah, like, Chappelle like, is, Chappelle is losing he, he it. He smokes on stage. You know what I mean? Like, they let him smoke on stage during his mouth. He could yeah, do whatever uh, he wants. That was very strange. But, he, he, but it's because it's he's in his Chappelle. Contract. Yeah. He could do whatever he wants, yeah. So, uh, and no one's gonna... So, did they get, like, an FCC fine for that? Did they? Probably. <laughs> he probably paid uh, No, it, it's probably after the... Um, for the sm- it, it's after 10. That's so right. A lot more flexibility with what they after, can do. Yeah, after a certain time period. After 10. Yeah. But it was great because it caught it caught Pete so hard that his teeth fell out of his mouth. Yeah, and everybody across the table probably the only time that Mikey Day has has broken maybe because everybody was trying to hold it together. Yeah, it, and I wonder whether that was planned. I don't think it was. I, think, so. I think it was just it's Dave Chappelle saw sketch. a moment and went for it. Mm-hmm. This podcast is brought to you by the sketch comedy troupe Bad Medicine, DC's best sketch comedy about the worst of humanity. Visit badmedicinecomedy.com for info about live shows, workshops, and t-shirts for people who love comedy. 
Well, that's our list, which is, uh, you know, we made, we made it through a lot of stuff. There were a number of honorable mentions that I just want to read off real quick. Stuff that was submitted to us, but didn't make the final cut. Um, got voted on. They got votes. Yeah. People liked it. They just didn't get enough votes to get to the top. Yes. Uh, turning Internet Drama into Songs, Part 1 by Lebelin. Which, which uh, by the way, it's worth pointing out that is our only like TikTok entry on this list. And I'm sorry, but if you're a comedy person, the real comedy story of 2020 was the incredible rise of TikTok and like it becoming this intergenerational app. And and frankly, like some of the best comedy. There were other content. TikTok sketches that could be voted on. This, okay. was, this was the only one that received votes, though. Okay. Well, there should have been. Also, more, we weren't asking younger people to vote on this as well, I'm sure. But I, I agree with you. Like, I think as a platform, as a comedy platform- There's so much on It is huge. Out. And if you're doing characters, if you're doing bits, 100% agree with you. Yeah. Get it's on like, there, do it. It's Make like it the, only, do it. the only comedy platform I care about anymore. If you, uh, if you want to sing some shanties. Yeah. There was some sea shanties. Heck yes. Uh, another one, uh, my, maybe my favorite sketch from the year uh, that didn't make it, unfortunately. Hot Haunted House from John Blair's Now More Than Ever. Uh, Regrets by John Plester. Tips from the Spit, Jeff Clark. Uh, Husband Sees Color for the First Time, Martin Herlihy, who is in uh, Please Don't Destroy, who we mentioned earlier. Idris Elba Can Do Anything from Famalam, which is a show on BBC Three. Uh, Strollin from SNL. December to Remember from SNL and Salad, or probably better known as Overnight Salad. Overnight Salad. SNL. I'm sorry. And then wait, a couple of just, sketches. Can we just take a minute? The Idris Elba can do anything line, drink it, is like. Oh. I'm glad to make fun of him because I think that's a, he's, he's got a really weird persona that like, it yeah. works and it's, people find it very hot because it is hot. But like the way that guy was leaning into it, just like yeah. he made it funny. And I was like, I'm glad someone's making fun of this. I'm actor, writer, producer, DJ, florist. <laughs> Pretty sure I could be a barista. <laughs> so it's just amazing. Sorry. That was one of my favorites from the year. And that whole like drink it line, I just say it all the time. Uh, and then we want to thank everybody who sent in uh, suggestions. So all of us here, all five of us uh, suggested things. As well as uh, Colin Chocola, Cameron Wiley, Kelsey Sweeney, Joanna Harris, Kiki Anderson, Josh Blair, Dave Wardrick, Jack O'Keefe, uh, Antoinette Scherer, and Brian Troxel. Thank you, guys. Um, hey, yeah, th- thank you all. I added the Idris <laughs> That's what I said. I said all five of us suggested sketches. All right, all right. Yeah, if uh, there's sketches we're missing or we didn't cover or should have been on here, please send it to us. Yeah, Go to the website, badmedicine.com. Go to the comment section. Leave information. Tell us what we did wrong. Yeah, maybe we'll do a what we missed episode. Because we could do a- We missed a lot. There's a lot. We should. We should do a what is wrong with us. What we missed. Here's what's really funny. Also, yeah, see that. Yeah. honorable mention, Cole Escala, who a lot of people know from uh, At Home with Amy, the Amy Sedaris show. I think it's on IFC. I'm not, I don't remember, but he plays chassis on it. And his front porch scene from this past, I think November, September, it's dramatic, but it's poetic and it's also satire. Anyways, you got to check it out. It's great. So there's lots of stuff that we probably didn't cover that maybe we should have covered. Send it our way. Let us know. Uh, any closing thoughts on the list, everyone? 
I stand no? by it. Okay. I will cool. say it's nice to be back. Well, yeah. Can Andy, can yeah, you happy say, to be back and... I just want to hear you say 2021. just lost you. 2021. 2021. As much as you say 2020. I've never heard anybody pronounce 2020. Do I enunciate it too much? You enunciate it well. I'm not saying it's too much. I'm just saying well. But let's hope 2021 as as, uh, comedically prosperous as 2020 was without all the other horrible stuff. Is that possible? We can do it. We can do it. We're creative. We're creative. We can make it happen. Fingers crossed. We'll see. Start hopefully by the fall. Uh, All right, we'll be back soon with more episodes. Uh, Thank you for joining us for another Sketch Nerds for Jessica Randazzo. Thank you. Seth Alcorn, Isaiah Hedden, and Elizabeth E.K. Kemp. I'm Andy Weld. Thanks for joining us for Sketch Nerds. Bye. Bye. Everybody do the Zoom wave. This episode was produced by Isaiah Hedden and recorded in Washington, D.C. The closing music tracks were provided by SoundtrackForEverything.com. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act, Fair Use Exemption, for criticism and commentary. The Sketch Nerds podcast is brought to you by the sketch comedy group Bad Medicine, DC's best sketch comedy about the worst of humanity. For showtimes, videos, and funny t-shirts, please visit BadMedicineComedy.com.